Well, good evening, everyone. It really is an absolute joy to be here on this very, very special uh, occasion, this Sunday night when uh, we're going to be moving to uh, Sunday mornings, as from next week. And I, I, I for one, I'm extremely excited about all that God's going to be doing in and through us. And uh, it's going to be a remarkable journey in the days ahead. And towards the end of my message, I've just got something I just want to share um, as part of uh, the message. And um, I think it will encourage those people who are going to be here Sunday after Sunday, those who are going to be here next Sunday morning, uh, to just trust God and believe God for all that he's going to be doing in Jesus, in Jesus' name. So we're going to launch into the message, if that's okay. And we've been going through a series called Simplify. And the whole thought of it is how we can declutter our worlds, how we can declutter our souls. The Bible says this, that above everything else, we need to guard our hearts. Not the, not the organ that pumps blood around our bodies, but just the very soul, the very seat of our being. We need to guard our minds. We need to guard our hearts. So I was saying to Caroline only this afternoon, just we were talking about something I said, in this, we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our minds. And that's the whole thought of how we can declutter, how we can simplify our lives. It's been a joy to hear messages about how we can restructure and reschedule our, our calendars and, 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 and organize our lives, how we can um, take control of our finances and, and just bring a sense of, you know, um, uh, control and just ease to them. We've been looking at how we can move from, you know, going from anxious into peaceful, how we can relieve ourselves from fears and, and you know, a very, very big uh, message for the church was how we can actually make room for forgiveness. Very, very vital. But this particular message this evening, I'm really excited to be able to share it with you because I just honestly believe with all my heart, we're in a season where God is wanting us to move forward. But the reality is, many of us get stuck. Just raise your hand if you've ever been stuck, if you've ever been stuck in traffic, you've ever got your car stuck, you know, you just feel like you're stuck. If you feel personally, just raise your, keep your hands up. If you've ever felt like you've experienced what it's like to be stuck, we all have. And the reality is that God wants us to move from that position of where we're stuck to moving on. He wants us to move on. He wants us to move forward. And how we can do this is by welcoming new seasons in our lives. Let me just make a few comments to introduce this thought to you. You know, you need to understand this. Our lives are not a string of random days connected by a calendar. They're really not. But our lives consist of seasons. You need to understand that really, really important. Because some people just think it's just random days, just thrown together, and the calendar organizing. No, I believe, and we believe, that actually our life and our lives consist of seasons. What am I talking about? Well, we can go from the baby in arms, we were born, to then we're toddling, to now we become children, to then growing into adolescence, to then moving into young adults, to many people then marrying and growing old. There's seasons that we all walk through. And our lives are made up of seasons. My wife and I were, were married. We're going to be celebrating 25 years this year. I know I don't look old enough. I know I don't look old enough. Yeah, you can keep... I said this morning, don't do the golf applause. We need... If we're going to give an applause, we could do an arena applause, okay? So, you know, that's just... We want to just lay that in. 
we've been married for 25 years and we were in fact 20. Both of us were 20 year old when we got married. And what I do need to say is in fact, Caroline was nearly 21 as she has, she is actually older than me. I know she might not look it. Well, it needs to be said, guys. I mean, it's just one of those things. I'll, I'll let you into a funny story, which I didn't say this this morning. I was, um, out we, a few years ago, we took, uh, it was Isaac's birthday. And we went, we said to him, where do you want to go? And he says, I want to do one of these all-day buffets. I mean, whose son is he? I mean, come on, who's, you know. So I said, where do you want to go? Chinese, I want to do a Chinese. So we went to Nottingham, one of these all-day buffets. Yes, Kev, come on, that deserves, yeah, yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, so we go, we're going in there. I say to the, to the man who comes to see me, I said, uh, yeah, could we have a table for six, please? Jonathan wasn't on the scene uh, yet. And, uh, you know, a table for six and... He says to me, yes, it was certainly serious. He says, is it uh, one adult and five children? I went, are you having a laugh? I went, this is my wife. He thought she was one of my kids. What are you all laughing like that at me for? You all think that? Okay. So although... I. You know, she's, she looks really great. It's because I look after her so well. That's what it is. Okay. <laughs> but at 20, we entered a season. It was called marriage. And five years later, Annie, our eldest, arrived. And we entered into another season of having children. And then three more children arrived. We moved from a city called Milton Keynes to in the local area of Ilkeston, there was a change of geography, another seasonal change. We changed houses, another season. We started a business and sold a business, another season. And now we're in this strange season where things are changing for us yet again. Because our eldest daughter, as many of you know, is getting married. September the 8th, Jonathan and Annie will be married. And my wife was leading me up to this because she knew it was on the horizon. Annie had clearly spoke to her that they'd had conversations. And this was before Jonathan actually asked to see me because he was a good lad and asked to see me for the hand of my daughter, which was a wonderful thing. And, uh, but Caroline was already tipping me off. She was already saying, I think this is going somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they've got plenty of time. No, 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 I think this is pretty serious. This is, this is going somewhere. And then when she said to me, she says, Christian, I think, actually, they're talking about getting married. My response was, what? Really? She's far too young. I just, in my mind, just thought there's no way this could happen. And my wife has reminded me over a number of occasions since that time of a film that is a family favorite of ours, I don't know whether you've ever seen it called Father of the Bride. Not the original, but the one that was in, you know, the 90s. Jesus' response to his daughter telling him that he was going to get married. So whether we would run the tape and uh, I'll let you see it. Yeah, run the video. I'm engaged. <laughs> I'm engaged. I'm getting married. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, my, my. Oh, so, oh, my. And that's 
Your engagement ring, huh? Yes, yes. We got it at a flea market outside of Rome. The guy we bought it from said it was at least a hundred years old. Wow. So, Dad, stop it. Say something. I'm sorry. What did you say? Dad, I met a man in Rome, and he's wonderful and brilliant, and we're getting married. Mom, what's he doing? George. Can anybody resonate with that? Any dads there? Give me a wave if you can resonate with that. If you're at that point of seasonal where that's, that's happened to you. This, this clip still makes me laugh. It's an absolute classic. It really is. It's a seasonal change that we are in. But it may be that you are not at that stage in your life where your kids are getting married and moving along. But here are some possible new seasons that we can find ourselves in. It may be that you're about to get married. We're just absolutely joyous that uh, this afternoon we was able to just talk to four couples from Arena Church who were just, you know, working their way this year and then into early 2018 and they're going to be getting married. It was a joy to read on Instagram that Kev and Hannah celebrated a year of being married. That year has just flown by. Marriage, new seasons. There's people who have children. That's a new season. But what about the new season of divorce and separation? What about the loss of kids? I'm not talking about they've died. I'm talking about the empty nesters where the kids were always around and now they're not around. Maybe the new season of a change in your job circumstances forced on you because of redundancy. What about the loss of a parent or the loss of a spouse? Retirement downsizing. Kids are now at school. Where there was once toddlers running around, now they've all gone and they're at school. New seasons that we can find ourselves in. I was reflecting this morning early just on this message and just putting the last finishing touches to it. And I actually said to myself, there was some, uh, some notes that I remembered from at least 20 years ago. And um, I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't remember all the points. But if you could help me to land on it in my office, then I'll know you need me to incorporate this into this message. You need to understand something. My filing system is not the greatest. I have loads of notes. I mean, I'm talking hundreds of messages. I mean, hundreds of messages. There was no way I was going to go through them all. But as I just opened the filing cabinet and just pulled back the file, I just reached my hand in just to pull one out. And what did I pull out? The very note that the Lord had spoke to me about this morning. So I knew I needed to share it both in this morning and in this evening because there are seasons, there are changes, and I call it the changing decades of age. I want to help you to understand something. And I think it's really important for everybody here uh, who's at different ages to understand the dynamic of the age that they are in. You see, childhood is the decade of dependence. Your kids need you. And then they move into teenage years, and this becomes the decade of adolescence. If I can say this, this is why there's a lot of... um, um, there's like headbutting that happens in the home because they're just breaking out. They're finding their feet. You know, you've been through that. If you've had teenagers, they're just working things through. But then we see the 20s. This is the decade of foundations. 
This is the decade of foundations. If you're in your 20s, this is where you begin to lay strong foundations. You begin to dig, dig deep. You begin to lay a foundation for your career, for your ministry. This is when great wisdom needs to be applied in your 20s. And then you move to your 30s. And this is the decade of promotion. This is where you are sowing. But I want to say, you will sow in your 30s, but you won't possibly reap in your 30s. But you will be sowing. This will be a time where God begins to lay his hand on you and there's increased opportunities. And you've just got to plant a seed and keep planting seeds in your 30s. Because when you come to your 40s, this is a decade of accomplishing. I am so glad. Oh my goodness. I am so glad that I am in my 40s. This is a decade of accomplishing. This is where the seeds that have been sown are now being reaped in Jesus' name. I'm grateful to be in my 40s. I'm celebrating the 40s. I'm glad you're all like looking miserable thinking, I wish I were in my 40s. But I'm glad that I'm in my 40s. Josh is shaking his head. You will get there, I'm telling you, mate, where you will know what I'm talking about because you've got a lot of sowing to do, boy, before you start reaping, okay? But in your 40s, there's an essence of where we're accomplishing. But we come to our 50s. This is a decade of influencing. In your 50s, you begin to influence. You've done a lot of sowing, you've done a lot of reaping, but now there's a lot of influencing that begins to happen. What I'm doing is showing you a picture of how God works it in his seasons. And then you come to your 60s. This is a decade of empowering. And in the church, you know, you're not finished when you get to the point where you've got, you know, a, a, a full head of grey hair and, you know, you've, you're just long gone you're, or you've got a walking stick or a Zimmer frame. I'm just talking to people who, you know, you, listen, you've not, you're not done. You've not gone. You're not finished. This is, if you're in your 60s, this is the decade of empowering. This is where all that God has done with you, you can now begin to empower, empower others. And then into your 70s and 80s, and some of you are here, you're in your 70s, moving to your 80s. I want to say this is a decade of enjoying. This is a time when you can look on and you can see younger men and younger women and you can enjoy their success. Can I hear a big amen? You begin to celebrate the goodness of God that's happening in their life. What I've realized is this. There's a lot of older people who can be very bitter and very twisted when they look at the younger generation because they look longingly because they want to be there. But you've just got to enjoy the season that God has placed you in. Can I hear a big amen? And as we begin to understand the seasons and the decade of changes, it begins to release us and help us. So wherever you are, on that scale, I believe and pray that it will help you because we can often get stuck. We can often get stuck in where we're at, the season that we're at. And we get stuck because primarily we don't like change. There was a study recently conducted at Harvard University that identified a number of reasons why we dislike change. I've just taken the top three. First of all, we don't like change because we lose control. We just don't like the thought of losing control and what's happening. You know, you can't control everything, so let go and have faith in God. We don't like change because there's excess uncertainty. We just don't know what's going to happen. Our comfort, our comfort blanket is not there. Everything's so uncertain and it's excessive. And thirdly, everything seems different. 
Everything seems different. So we get stuck in a particular season and a particular cycle. Because change means a new season. And if I can say this to you, just all look at me for a moment. I don't know all your circumstances, but I know this. Because I know it before the Lord. I just, as I wrote it, I just knew it to be true. Of those in Arena Church, many of you have come and are coming into a new season of change. And there is some great advice from the Bible. I was really encouraged by the news of this week where I was seeing Prince Harry at the uh, London's Horse Guard Parade Memorial for the soldiers of Iraq and Afghanistan and how we read from Ecclesiastes in chapter 3. Andy's old enough to remember the the, the original version. I just wanted to drop that in there because he said it this morning. It was from the birds. Can you remember the song? Turn, turn, all taken from the Bible. And this is what it reads in Ecclesiastes in chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and there's a time to uproot. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and A time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend and a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We notice here that Solomon identifies 28 seasons of life. 28 seasons that all of us at some point will encounter and face. These are everyday circumstances that we find ourselves in. And this is what he begins with. There is a time for everything. What he was basically saying is, and one version writes it this way, everything on earth has its own time and its own season. There are seasons that we walk into. And just for tonight and just for time, I want to identify three seasons just from here that really just resonated in my heart that I thought would be helpful for us as a church. You see in verse 4, he talks about a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, there are people who find themselves with loss. On Wednesday at... 12 noon at our Ilkeston campus will be uh, burying an esteemed minister who was part of the Assemblies of God for many, many years. He was so prominent. Many people, many younger guys don't know who he, were, who he is or who he was. He was from another era. But I want to tell you, Pastor Colin Whitaker was a very, very prominent man of God. And there's a sense in which his family are 
mourning or sorrowful because they've lost a, you know, a father. They've, Hazel's lost a husband. Kids have, and grandkids have lost a, a grandpa. There's a time to mourn. There's a season of mourning. And the reality is that some people mourn and they mourn and it's all out there and tears are flowing and everybody can hear it and that's just the way they do it. And I want to say if that's the way of mourning, then you just need to do whatever you need to do to mourn. It's not a bad thing to mourn. But also, don't make everybody mourn like you would because some people quietly mourn in their hearts and just work it and work things through. The point is this. There is a season for mourning. There is a season for mourning when we lose something, whether that's a loved one, whether that's a marriage. It could be a disappointment. And we're all different. And this is why I maintain that small groups are so important. Because in that season of mourning, you can only do it when you're actually walking with somebody. I've heard illustrations and stories of people who've been navigating their hearts and minds through mourning. And they've done that as they've been with other people. We had a context, you know, a couple of years ago where there was a breakdown of marriage. And I know this, this lady so appreciated some of the young ladies who got around her and she actually was able to navigate her way through the loss of, and the grieving of this husband who'd walked away from her. Why? Because there was a small group. There was a group that actually walked her through it. What a wonderful thing it is to be in a small group. And if you're not in a small group here, If you have a passion, you love Jesus, and you say, I can lead a small group, then you need to see Paul tonight and he will help you with that. It's a great thing to walk with others. But also we see there that Solomon identifies not just a season of mourning, but he also organizes and and, and, and notes a season of dancing. Now you all know I'm the coolest guy around. And I just want to get my dance on, Eleanor, okay? There is a season for dancing, oh yeah. She said to me, Dad, please don't do it. I says to her, just but she says, you're not going to do it. I said, sweetheart, I feel like there's a double anointing on me tonight. Oh, I just feel it's on me. Get down. There we go. Okay. There's a season for mourning and there's a season for dancing. I've done that on purpose because I knew there'd be a lot of laughter in the room because dancing for me talks about a celebration. Who loves to go to a good party? Who loves a good dance? Who loves the food, the drink, just the interaction? Just love it. I feel like I'm on it again. Told you, double anointing. Okay. There is a time. There is a season. But we all don't want to be crying all the time. Neither do we want to be dancing all the time. There's a season. There's a season. So if you're in a season of celebrating the goodness of God, celebrate it with others. Again, have you ever been in that position where something so good has happened to you and you want to share it with somebody and you get on the phone and you can't get hold of them and you know nobody else around you and you just want to tell the whole wide world? Have you ever been there? You want to share it with somebody else. Again, that is why it's so important to do life in groups. But then he also identifies there's a time to scatter And there's a time to gather. Verse 5 and 6, a time 
To scatter stones, a time to gather them. And verse 6, a time to keep and a time to throw away. You know, there's times when we have to let go of things. We have to let go of people. Some people we have to let go of. We may not want to, but we have to let go of them. We have to let go of relationships. Some of us need to understand also we need to let go of things, stuff. We can become so sentimentally attached to certain things. That's why I was so proud of you as a church, moving for many of you, moving from where we did when we went on the journey of Bosler Street to here, and it was just not an issue. You didn't miss a beat. You didn't allow sentiment to get in the way. Listen, we must never allow sentiment to get in the way of all that God wants to do amongst us. There's a time to scatter and there's a time to gather the seasons that we walk into. I will ask again, any hoarders here, Glenis? Any hoarders who wants to own up, you're a hoarder. Well, it may be that you need a good sort out. My wife, she is expert at sorting things out. I have, me and Philip, we were talking, we have favourite shirts. He managed to keep his favourite shirt. I don't. Mine are in the rubbish rags and all the rest of it. I, I, I look and where's that? Oh, I threw it away, it's gone. She's lethal, I'm telling you. But also, there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. Recently, very quickly, over the last number of months, there's been a set of circumstances that hasn't been locally, it's nothing to do with the local, but have been nationally, that I easily could have said things and people were asking before Christmas me to make, you know, what was I thinking and, and lots of emails and telephone calls and I just determined in my heart that I was just, this was going to be a season of silence. Sometimes you, know, you don't need to say anything. You're best to keep your peace. Yeah? You're best to keep your peace. The Bible actually encourages that we need to be slow to speak and we need to be quick to listen. But then there's a time when you actually need to speak up and that's, uh, this circumstance had happened and there was then another set of emails that came to me and I knew that this was my time to speak up and boy, did I speak up. They were left in no uncertain terms where I was at in this situation. There's a time, there's a season to speak. There's a season and a time to listen. So whatever season you find yourself in, then I want to help you. You may say, well, Christian, you spoke about how we can go from stuck to moving on and embracing this new season, but you've given us no practical outline of how we can do that. No, this is where this comes in. Because in my last few minutes that I've got with you, I just want to talk about just four things that I think have been so helpful to me in my life in just entering into new seasons, moving from that position from stuck to moving on and embracing all that God has for us. The first thing I want to say is this, we have to discern the reason of the season. We have to discern the reason of the season. Here's some questions. God, what are you doing? If you find yourself in a difficult circumstance, and I found myself many times, I've been saying to God, God, what are you doing? You are clearly wanting to do something in me in this difficult circumstance. Here's another question. God, what do I need to learn? Or what do I need to learn? What do I need to learn? What are you doing? You know, we can have a frustration of little activity and the lack of fruit. 
But what God is wanting to do is wanting us to understand, discern the reason of the season. Is he wanting to just develop patience in us? Is he wanting us to lean into him so we trust him? Is he wanting to cultivate a holy dependency upon him? You see, what I realise is this. True joy is cultivated in the difficult seasons of life. True joy is not developed, cultivated in success. It's not developed when everything's going well. True joy is developed and cultivated in difficult seasons of life. So if you're in a difficult season of life, then God is wanting to develop true joy in your heart. The Bible says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. The second thing that I've tried to work through, and these are not just nice statements. These are things that I've just with all my heart searched over this week to say, is this part of what I do? And it is. The second thing is, what we have to do is embrace the season of life that we are in. Embrace the season of life that we are in. Listen to me carefully. Whether it's a season of rain or a season of sunshine, God is using it to shape you and prepare you for the future. Can I say that again? I tell you what, I am preaching far better than you are responding. That is for sure. But I'll go again. Whether it's, it's a season of rain or a season of sunshine, God is using it to shape you and prepare you for the future. We have to embrace the season that we are in. Listen to me. God is doing something in you. But we have to be fully present. What do I mean by fully present? Well, don't waste the season of life you are in now because you want the next one to come. We can be so quickly, can't we, to just want to move to the next thing and we miss what God is wanting to do here and now. He's wanting to do a deep work in us here and now. But we're so consumed with the future and moving forward, we miss what God is wanting to do. I remember once uh, this time this happened to us. You know, I was 21 and leading a, a homeless accommodation unit. I need to understand, I had no idea about drugs. I had no idea about violence of that, of that level. I had no idea about alcohol, alcoholism. You know, just, it was not, none of it was around my life or my world. And yet I was thrust into an environment where I had to build literally this homeless accommodation unit from scratch, not literally build it. There were people who did that, but actually get it all structurally set up and fill the rooms and then sort the guys out. And it was just like, what am I doing here? I didn't sign up for this ministry journey. I signed up to be on the stage preaching. I'm God's man of hour of power, you know, for the world. What am I doing here? I'm here away in this room with guys who I don't understand with people who literally want to kill me. Two guys took knives to me. One guy was intent, demonically possessed. And I said this morning, it's only that I didn't know what I was doing and I was so frightened that I just said, in the name of Jesus, and literally he was was slain on the floor, knife out, just manifesting all over the place. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was in this season and every time I tried to get out of the season, God was like, you, you need to, boy, you're staying. This is where you need to learn. You must be kidding, God. What are you doing here? No, you need to stay in this season. I knew it. And I was pushing with God and fighting with God over this season. Can you remember it, Caroline? I was so frustrated, thinking, what have I done? I've given up my good job in the bank. I could be earning lots of spondulies. And I'm here earning 100 quid a week. 
no thank you from anybody, nothing at all, no support, no encouragement, and this is where I am. But God had got me exactly where he wanted me to be. And what I determined to do was sow some seeds. And when I began to sow some seeds, and when I began to say, God, I'm going to embrace this season, then he began to do a deep work in me. And interestingly, once I'd really embraced it, he moved me so quickly from that there to where I felt he needed, he wanted me to go. It was a matter of weeks. It happened so suddenly. But what happened was there was a deep work that happened in 1992 and 1993. And I believe that we are now living off the fumes of that. If I can be really, without sounding conceited, because God did a deep work of compassion in my heart for these guys. And now we see all that God is doing, particularly through Ilkeston, with supported living, with programs for prisoners, for all this kind of thing. God was doing a deep work in my heart. Don't be saying to yourself, God, what are you doing in this job? I want to get out of here. Maybe, you know, I felt like I wanted to break out into a TV show there. You know, I'm a celebrity, get get me out of here. I'm a Christian, get me out of here. No, no, no. God has got you exactly where he wants you to be. Am I speaking to anybody? You've got to embrace the season. No matter how painful, embrace the season. Because if you will then plant seeds in this season, God will produce a harvest. This is what it says in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. But what happens when we live God's way? Well, he brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way into life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. See, what happens is when we plant a seed in this season and when we embrace it, God begins to produce a fruit. And Galatians 5, and you would know this language more familiar, and he produces a fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Embrace the season. Thirdly, if we're going to navigate our way through from stuck to moving on, We not only need to discern this reason of the season and embrace the season, we now need to be grateful in the season. You must be kidding, Christian. I didn't come here for this tonight. I've had enough of this. That might be what you're thinking in your heart. Listen, gratefulness is what God is looking for. I don't think we're grateful enough as Christians. I think the Western church, I'm just going to go for a little tangent for about 30 seconds. I think we need to be a lot more grateful in what God is doing and what God has done in our hearts. We are very blessed to live here. We are very blessed that we can have public services. We are very blessed that we are not persecuted in this church and we are not. I mean, in this world, not like some people are persecuted. They can die for their faith. I am grateful for the fact that I am here. I want to live with gratefulness. I want to be grateful for this building. I want to be grateful for the pastors. I want to be grateful for you great people. I want to be grateful for the music that we have. I want to be grateful for the teas and coffees. Am I, am I hearing an amen? We can live all the time with what we don't have. We need to live with gratefulness. And it might be that you don't feel like you've got what you deserve. Well, I'd encourage you, just be grateful. And then God might begin to do something in the next season. 
You see, the secret of being happy is accepting where you are in life and making the most of every day. I love what it reads in Psalm 63. Because this is a psalm that David found himself in the wilderness, in the desert. He was in the desert. There wasn't much food around. There wasn't much water around. There was no company. There was nobody with him. He didn't have a nice place to lay his head. But this is what he says. When he was out in the, in the Judean wilderness, I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. It's a contemporary version, you can see. <laughs> Did you get it, Simon? Your, your prime rib and gravy? Not quite, okay. When I said it this morning, he was slavering all down when I said that. I smack my lips. It's time to shout praises. If I'm sleepless at night, listen to the language. If I'm sleepless at night, I spend the hours in grateful reflection. If something of the season is keeping you up at night, just thank God in the midst of it that God is with you. Be grateful in wherever you find yourself, wherever we find ourselves. And I know, sir, and I know, madam, it can be so difficult when you're navigating loss and you feel like you're mourning and you feel like everything's against you. I just want to encourage you to be grateful. And lastly, as I finish, not only do we need to be grateful, not only do we need to embrace the season, not only do we need to discern the reason of the season. Can I just simply say, let's trust God? I know that sounds so simplistic, but that's in essence what God is wanting us to do. Trust Him wherever, whatever, with whoever. Am I speaking to anybody here tonight? Trust Him in the loss. Trust Him in the sickness. Trust Him in the disappointment. Trust Him in the failure. Trust Him in the broken promises. Trust Him in, trust him in people letting you down. Trust Him. Trust Him trust him Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 7 says trust God from the bottom of your heart don't try to figure everything out on your own listen for God's voice in everything you do everywhere you go he is the one who will keep you on track what you don't know is that God knows your seasons because he's ordained your steps he's ordained your life You just need to simply trust Him. You know, if we'll just take these thoughts to heart, I believe it will encourage you from going stuck, from from being stuck to moving on and embracing the new season in your life. Just in these, my time's gone. Five minutes. So I really felt the Lord just say something to me moving forward because it was such an appropriate word and we I'd love to tell you that we've planned it this way with it being on the Sunday night and Sunday, but I'm not sure that we did because those who are part of this Mansfield congregation you're walking into a new season six and a half years we've been in Mansfield it's been remarkable I salute you all those who started at the very beginning and all those who have come in and just helped along the way I salute you in Jesus' name. We couldn't have done it without you. Those people who worked on this building tirelessly for days and weeks and months to get it to where it is. I salute you. But if we're not careful, we can become stuck here. 
and we think this is it I want to tell you God has got so much more for us and we must never get stuck we must embrace the new seasons of life that God is wanting to bring to us there's a few things I want to say I keep saying it I hope you hear the language I'm not saying it because I don't think you will I'm just wanting to encourage Stephen and Alini and encourage you please get behind this couple give them your wholehearted love and attention if I can say Stephen Alini these guys from Mansfield have given me I'm sure I've got on your nerves at times more than I probably realise but in general you've loved me you've loved me you've supported me you've thought this crazy guy what's he on with but you've still gone with it and I love the fact about you guys I love that about Arena can I ask the same love and devotion that you've given to me you'll give to these two because these guys are on the ground and they've got a great team that's working with them and we believe in God for great things but I have a word for you I have a word for Arena Church really it's not just for you at Mansfield and it's found in Joshua in chapter 3 and over these next four weeks Stephen's going to be talking about walking into new territory it's going to be a terrific series that he's just developed and I have a joy of being able to speak into that as well over these next four Sundays it's going to be a great great series leading up to Easter but it says in Joshua chapter 3 And the context to it, of course, is that Joshua is the one who is going to lead the people of God into the promised land. And they've been wandering around for 40 years. And Moses now dies. And Joshua realizes the anointing to lead the people of God. And we pick the story up. Verse 1, it says, Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over and after three days the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people listen when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord don't get hung up on that what or that is basically the presence of God when you see the presence of God because that was Old Testament now we have that through the power of the Holy Spirit when you sense the power of God when you sense the anointing of God when you can see it clearly this is what it says then you are to follow it. And he says this, because the priest will lead you forward. Verse 4, then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. We've never been this way before as a church. We don't know how it's going to work out, but we're going to trust God. We're going to embrace the season. We're going to always always grateful be if our Lily was in. That's how she says it. We're going to be always grateful. And then it goes on to say, Joshua 3 verse 5. Listen, this is really important. And this is probably needs some packing in arena at some point. Because I was reflecting on this saying, Lord, just give me some practical things to say to the people tonight. Because I have no notes on this. Verse 5, Joshua then told the people, consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. You need to understand something. They were crossing over into the promised land. There were 31 kings. There were 31 kings that God had said, I want you to take rule and dominion over. It's interesting, usually there's 30, 31 days. And all these kings represent things in our life. They're just the simple things of our lives. 
And he was saying to Joshua and the people of God, I want you to go and take dominion over these 31 kings. You're going to rule them. You're going to take possession. You're going to take back what is mine. You're going to take territory back, which is mine. But how is that going to happen? Through consecration. Now we all get word to what does that mean? There's this, you know, we consecrate a, a building, a, a holy church. Now it talks about us consecrating our hearts, submitting our hearts, surrendering our hearts, giving our hearts away, falling on our knees on early mornings, crying out to God, working together even when we don't understand all that God is doing. This is all for me, something that just needs unpacking this whole thought of consecration as we give ourselves to it and as we give ourselves to it then the Lord says because tomorrow 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 I'm going to do amazing things amongst you but it will not come without consecration as we consecrate then the Lord will do amazing things and you will move into a new season of blessing you will move into a new season of growth you will move into a new season where you take the kings in Jesus name we will take them in Jesus name God's given us a promise that we're going to spread out to the left and to the right and we're going to take dominion in these areas in Jesus name we can't do that by force we can only do it through our wrestling is not against flesh and blood but it's against spiritual principalities and powers in the heavenly realms that's where we do our bidding that's where we do our warfare and I want to encourage you to consecrate yourself for the Lord wants to do amazing things among you I wonder if we bow our heads for a moment